Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Matt and this is Journey to Freedom podcast. This show is all about traveling, financial freedom, success stories and so much more. In this podcast, I talk with a diverse community of people about their stories from around the world and my own life experiences with traveling and finance. Join me to my weekly series to learn more. Hello everyone. In this week's episode, I'm bringing you a very special guest. He is a former graduate from California State Polytechnic University, Pomona. He's a passionate and driven hospitality professional with over five years experience at the Ritz-Carlton brand and a current managing partner and operator at the Rebel Cafe in Colorado Springs, Michael Varias. With Michael, I want to discuss his current location, which is Guam in Micronesia, his experience while working at the luxury brand, his position at the Rebel Cafe, and most importantly, his big life decision of stepping out of a director of restaurants at the Ritz-Carlton Rancho Mirage in California to becoming a managing partner and operator at his new food truck business. Michael, thanks a lot for joining me today. No, I'm glad to be here, man. That's quite an introduction that you have for me, man. That's cool. <laughs> amazingly done. You make me sound a lot better than I actually am. <laughs> Absolutely. So first of all, I want to thank you for being on the show because right now there's currently actually 14-hour difference between us, which might be, honestly, the farthest long-distance calls I've ever made in my life. Oh, no, that's totally fine, man. I know it's, I'm currently in Guam in the middle of the Pacific, middle of nowhere, and I think it's 10 p.m. over here. What time is it for you? It's 8.20 in the morning right now. Oh, man, I'm glad that we organized this time to be able to at least speak and hopefully be good for you. Yeah, definitely. So right now you're living in Guam, like you said. So it is in Micronesia. And, you know, many people, especially outside of the U.S., have never heard of Guam before. Mm -hmm. But Guam is an incorporated territory of the United States, right? So that means you live there just like in any other place in the U.S., correct? That is absolutely right. So meaning uh, I was born and raised here, in which case I'm a United States citizen. Uh, People that are not too familiar with where Guam is, it's north of Australia, east of Japan, east of Korea, literally smack dab in the middle of nowhere. And in terms of relative to flight, if you were to fly from, let's say, hypothetically, California to Guam, it's about a 13-hour flight routing through Honolulu in Hawaii. Wow. Really in the middle of nowhere, but it's beautiful out here. Amazing place. Yeah, so it's in the Pacific Ocean, right? So like you said, it's about three and a half hour flight to Japan from what I saw, about three hour flight to Manila. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're a lot closer to Asia than we are to like the U.S., but we are the farthest west in terms of the territories that is owned by the United States of America. So that's why it's coined in Guam's, so to speak, territorial license plate that we're, we are where America's day begins, quote unquote. Right. That's <laughs> true. So, but then you said that you were born right there. You're born and raised. Is that right? Yeah, born and raised here. Went to high school here. Worked out here for a short stint before uh, pursuing all of my dreams and leaving for college and leaving for California at the like, young age of 19. Yeah. Awesome. So how is living in Guam overall? What are some best things to do when you're out there? Hmm. Best way to put it is it's very much the island life. huh? So meaning the, the island is literally 30 miles long by 13 miles long. You could start at one point in the island, drive completely around one road, and you could end up at that same point in probably an hour and a half. So very small very beautiful, very scenic. So in the sense of things that are able, able to do, there's a lot of water sports that you can do, kayaking, scuba diving, surfing, windsurfing. Um, there's a lot of hikes that can take place because the scenery is absolutely stunning. There's one area of Guam that is commercialized, so similar to like Ala Moana in Honolulu. There's one small commercialized area of Guam that's called basically that Tumon area. 
And that's where most of your hotels, bars, and restaurants typically reside. So um, things to do in Guam, primarily a lot of outdoorsy activities and things of that nature. But there's also an, a bright nightlife and food scene out here as well. Would you say it's a touristy spot or not so much? Oh, definitely a touristy spot. I think the main demographics of people that travel to Guam right now, as of at least, are Koreans, Japanese, Taiwanese, and surprisingly Russians before the visa was actually, actually removed from um, their capabilities to be able to travel here. Yeah. And then when, so when they travel to Guam, of course, they need to, it's a, it's a U.S. territory, right? So they have to have visas. Yes. And there's also like visitors visas that you can get as well. Mostly people actually from from Asia, right? Like Southeast Asia or just that part of the world, not necessarily from the U.S. That are no, here. yeah, surprisingly not. Only because plane tickets are incredibly high. Uh, for example, if you were to fly from California or like mainland U.S. and routing through Honolulu or Japan, uh, plane tickets typically run you anywhere between twelve to sixteen hundred, depending on when you decide to buy. Wow. <laughs> a uh, pricey plane ticket, but man, it's beautiful here. So you said that flying from California, right? That's that's an expensive flight. Where else? How else? How else can you get from from mainland U.S. to Guam if you want to travel uh, there? You could also route through Japan. So you can route through Osaka, through Narita. But that's basically the only two flights that are available. You either right route through Japan or you route through Honolulu, Hawaii. So and then so, so since you live on the island, would you compare it sort of to Hawaii or not necessarily? Oh, very much like Hawaii, but I would compare it more to like Maui or Kauai, some, some place that's a lot more rural than it is commercialized. For example, Oahu is incredibly commercializing person. But I would say only one small area of Guam is really like commercialized, so to speak. Do you ever get bored out there? Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. Why do you think I left for California? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it depends on like what boredom means to you, meaning there's always something to do, right? Meaning there's always places on the island that I've never been. But in terms of like the quote unquote island fever that people can typically experience from being on an island for too long, absolutely no. Um, so it's not uncommon for a lot of people to be born and raised here, decide to leave Guam and then potentially one day want to move back. Hopefully one day I'm going to be able to travel there because it's, it's, uh, it's on my bucket list. All you got to figure out, Mateus, is all I'm telling you is just figure out a plane ticket and I'll take care of everything. I'm going to let you know. Yeah, no, lodging, no. activities, all taken care of, man. Figure out a plane ticket, I got your back. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. But um, let's start with the fact that actually both of us have graduated from the same hospitality school, right? Which the best is very hospitality exciting. school, without a doubt. So you have graduated in the year 2015, if I'm correct. Correct. Um, but we're able to meet during one of the networking sessions at school a mm -hmm. few years ago. How was your experience at Cal Poly Pomona, at Collins College? Oh man, I, I can't speak enough to how well the school treated me and my entire experience there. Coming from Guam, going through the community college route, spending two or three years in doing all of my, you know, general education credits and really realistically only spending about a year and a half to two years at Cal Poly Pomona was a life-changing experience that I could have ever experienced, you know, the networking, the education I received, um, the fact that the colleagues or the students that you are with in your classes are so driven and motivated to be there to graduate and they're passionate about the topic. And what I'm talking about is hospitality management at that college, Collins College specifically. Yeah. It is a great experience. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Uh, so besides Cal Poly Pomona, let's dive into your journey when it comes to life story, because I find it super interesting and insp inspirational for a yeah, lot of people. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Absolutely. So could you give us a little bit of information about yourself and how you actually started with the hospitality industry? Oh, sure. I'll do a lot of fast forwarding here, but uh, it all started off when I was about four years old. My dad used to be a director at 
you know, Pacific Islands Club, which is kind of like a resort here in Guam. And so one of the resorts and it has like things like kayaking, windsurfing, uh, pools, the recreational area. He was one of the managers, in which case so I was a four year old kid running around the pools and just playing around because he, I was allowed to play in this like recreational area. Um, so while I was going around and getting yelled at all the time by my father, he would always tell me, you know, Mikey, be nice. Make sure you say please. Make sure you always address people by their name. And if they're older, you say Mr. or Mrs. And little did I know that this was all actually hospitality getting ingrained in my head at a very young age. Fast forward about 11 years, I was 15 year old, years old and that was my first job. I was a lifeguard there at Pacific Islands Club. And then from there, that was my first job working in a hotel, working in a resort. And then from there, the first, I, I simultaneously while I was working for the hotel, I worked at a place called Fuji Ichiban, which is basically a fast food ramen house. And that was my first job working as a line cook in the back of house. And I guess you could say fast forward all of that, the rest is history, and that's how I fell into restaurants. So 15 years old, first job in hospitality, and about 18 years old, first job in a restaurant, and I never looked back. And then you achieved some really amazing stuff over the next few years, especially when after graduating from Cal Poly Pomona, from what I read. In 2016, right, you were a Voyager, meaning a manager in training. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, so manager at training at the Ritz-Carlton Marina Del Rey in California. Mm -hmm. Then after a year, you became an assistant restaurant manager at another Ritz-Carlton, this time in downtown Los Angeles. Yep, crazy experience there, but definitely worth it. <laughs> and then within only a year and a half, you got promoted for general manager for one of the hotel's restaurants. I know, thanks. <laughs> and eventually, fast forward, you became a director of restaurants, right? Yeah, that's, I guess, some summed up that all happened, absolutely. And it's like literally, to kind of like sum it up, all of that happened in the span of six years. So yeah, that is quite a journey to go through in such a short amount of time. It's honestly super inspiring and motivational for a lot of people that are in food and beverage that are in the hospitality, whether they're starting, I think so, or they're on the path to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a pretty strong resume. That's what I would say. Oh, no, I really appreciate that, man. And uh, I think just to talk a little bit about the track record, really, it's uh, people are like typically commonly ask me, it's like, what did you have to do? Like, how did you climb this, uh, you know, um, this ladder so quickly? How did you land these opportunities? And you know, I, I like to say that I'm lucky, but you know how people say they're lucky and they're fortunate to be in the positions that they're in. But one thing that I like to coin is that the harder you work, the luckier you get. Meaning I was always the one willing to put in the hours. I was always the one to be the yes man, willing to do things, even when not necessarily anyone really wanted to do the job. But being that go-to person and being that flexible person and being that almost needed person kind of put me in the right places at the right time. So meaning at the Ritz-Carlton Marina Del Rey, I was promoted by because of a word of mouth basically someone found out about me in downtown Los Angeles and brought me along. So meaning every subsequent job after that was someone looking out for me and seeing the opportunity within me and seeing what the potential I had and giving me the opportunity at every like step of the way, in which case. Three things that you just mentioned. I think one, number one, that is the most important one in the hospitality and traveling and kind of any business, I think so is networking. And mm -hmm. I think that's definitely number one, because you really need to know the people and the more you know the people, the more chances you get of getting, you know, getting a good job uh, somewhere or just getting getting those connections out, right? Absolutely. That's number one. And also you said being flexible. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people should be more open to take jobs anywhere in the U.S. or even outside. It's a really good opportunity, especially for those who are really young and have pretty much nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We'll travel the world. Second of all, explore the cultures, learn about them, and, and then also... You know, get a job some in a place that you've most likely never been before. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that's also another thing is that I was very flexible about travel, meaning every time they said, oh, is relocation an issue? And they said, oh, you know, do you have any preferred areas you want to work? And I said, no, just put me to work and I'm willing to work. Yeah. And then also, yeah. So the thing, the third thing that you said, it's it working. That's something that no one really wants to do. So pretty much rolling up your sleeves and saying yes to every opportunity. Mm-hmm, right. Because that's what how you're going to portray yourself. That's how you're going to establish that kind of look and you get people going to look at you differently in, the, in a better way, of course. And you just become that go-to person, meaning being that go-to person, that reliable person, that's someone that can always count on, on the leadership team. Very fortunate for Chris Capitias, uh, Ms. Lauren Elliott, Mr. Javier Cano. Those are names of people that I would say that have really, really helped me along my way in the successes I've had with the company, really. How was your experience like working at the Ritz-Carlton brand? Because I'm a huge fan of Ritz-Carlton. I used to work a little bit, but I love the brand itself. Um, how did you enjoy it? I mean, to speak about the Ritz-Carlton brand, to say that it's my most favorite job would not do that statement no justice, really. Um, it was the most experience, like inspiring experience I've ever had in working for a job, really. When it comes to the leaders that you work with, when it comes to the product and the service that you deliver and really the prestige that comes out about it and the, the fact that I go to work looking to inspire not only the ladies and gentlemen that I work with, but inspire the guests that come into our hotel as well is really, really, really exciting. You know, we do some amazing things, create some amazing wow moments for guests. And, and also we create a lot of wow moments for our ladies and gentlemen as well. So very, very awesome experience working is there any particular moment that you can think of that kind of stood out for you? Oh, man, I have a story. Okay, so one day there was this family of six that walked in. I forgot their name, really. Mother, uh, father, and then four kids running all over the restaurant, making noise, typical kids, right? And of course, you can see the exasperated look on the parents' faces, and they're just like, you know, trying to get the kids to calm down. Two of my servers, one of my servers and one of the busters actually walked up to me and said, hey, Michael, kid, we borrow the host stand iPad for about 30 minutes. And I said, uh, why would you need to borrow the host stand iPad, right? He's like, well, you see these kids running around the restaurant, we'll solve that problem for you if you can just let us borrow the iPad for 30 minutes. As it was a slow day at the Ritz-Carlton Ranch Mirage, I thought, okay, what's the worst that could happen? We could just do seating manually for the moment because they're not even that busy. Um, 30 minutes elapsed and then they run off somewhere and then I decide to go about my business. And 30 minutes later, the server as well as the person came back and they said, hey, look, Michael, look what we created. So these kids, they love dancing. And that's why they were so energetic. So essentially, the server and this busser made a giant music video with the host and iPad with one of the iPad programs. And um, from there, they got the parents really excited, got the kids really excited. But the story doesn't stop here, Mateus. So the parents were so inspired and moved by the story. And I said, can I take this video and uh, like basically expand upon it with your kids as long as it's okay with you i asked the parents they said absolutely it's totally fine whatever you want to do so i took that video i sent it to all of the ladies and gentlemen at the ritz concert rancher mirage and i invited them cordially to a dance recital for these four kids on our springs lawn on the following day so they had a like a dance recital that was taking place that following day so not only did it really move the kids move the family move the ladies and gentlemen all, all of the guests that were there to actually be able to attend a witnesses so there was like about i want to say 30 people that watched their dance recitals. So it was a really, really exciting experience. All of that happened from scratch. And it all just came from just a person that wanted to borrow an iPad stand or host stand, right? That's, yeah. that's how it started. Yeah, so I mean, I love telling that story because it's one example of 
the myriads of stories that take place in the Ritz-Carlton on a daily basis. And that's really why I enjoy working because it fosters that type of creativity and inspirational movements, you know? Yeah, you have to be passionate and come up with an idea, find out people, right? Teamwork. And once you come up with an idea, you can make some really amazing things that honestly don't really have to cost, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars. They're priceless for them as well. Yeah, without a doubt. I still have the video, I think. <laughs> Very cool. And another so during your time at the property, you also have received multiple awards. Mm-hmm. Dinner's Choice Award from Open Table 2019. Yep. And also a Leadership Achievement Award in the same year, to just name a few. Which mm-hmm. I'm assuming that must be must have been really special. How how was that? How did you achieve that? Oh man, that was at the Ritz Carlton in Los Angeles. And I wanna say that it just comes from being really relating, being able to be relatable to your team. Meaning I oversaw about 40 ladies and gentlemen, and that includes the team from the three meal restaurant, which was Glance Restaurant, as well as a team of up to 10 ladies and gentlemen at Illy Cafe. So these teams combined prior to me, there was a leadership team that was not necessarily as present all the time, meaning leaders kind of went in and out in spans of a year. So, but I was one of the first leaders that stayed at that property for a minimum of about two and a half to close to three years. So in that instance, I really developed that type of relationship with them. And in which case I received the leadership achievement award because of the increased, what is it? ESS, which is employee satisfaction survey scores from year over year. So I received that leadership achievement award. Subsequently, because I developed that that relationship with my ladies and gentlemen, they realized what goals I had in mind and I keep their goals in mind too. So in which case they saw what I had in terms of envision for the restaurant, in which case, because I have so much invested in them, they have invested deals in my goals as well. So in which case subsequently increased, you know, open table score from, I want to say we started off with 3.5, went to 4.1 in Glance restaurant during my time there. And then um, we just ended up being in the top 10 area for open table in the downtown LA around the Staples Center area for that year. So. Um, got the Diners Choice Open Table Award for 2019. So that was really exciting. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate that. So one of the main reasons why I decided to reach out to you was actually because of the the article that you wrote on LinkedIn. I really found it to be very powerful. And it was called, quote, the Roots Carlton to a food truck, question mark, which is very interesting. I love the title because people would usually say, you know, progressing from a food truck to a Ritz-Carlton, right? That kind of the step way to do it. But you actually reversed it, which may be really, really, really interesting. And I read the article. It got me inspired, got me motivated. Uh, and I read a lot of experience in working at the brand, you know, your passions towards food and beverage. And I think most importantly, when I was scrolling down and reading, most importantly, the answer to why you actually decided to leave Ritz-Carlton and decide to open your food truck. Yeah, so um, just to summarize and really spoil it for anyone that hasn't read the article, but it really gets summarized in uh, uh, two words, which essentially means I'm ready. Um, I'm very much ready. Um, We talked a little bit about Ritz-Carlton and the fact that it inspires ladies and gentlemen, inspires great leaders and crafts great leaders. And um, I can say I could work for the rest of my life for the Ritz-Carlton brand, but there's always opportunities that come up, right? And you always look to seize opportunities as soon as they arrive. Um, Yes. I learned how to make financial success from working a business in restaurants. I learned how to get vested and create really dynamic groups of ladies and gentlemen and get them to achieve a common goal. I learned how to funnel my passion, funnel things that I really enjoy doing and turning that into profit. So 
by taking these three things combined, I thought, you know, now is an opportunity really to seize an opportunity to be my own opportunity, uh, be an entrepreneur and be my own boss, really. And um, really, it came from a Facebook message. My uncle reached out to me. He says, hey, I'm looking to potentially purchase a food truck. Are you in or are you not? And what really ran through my head was, I don't have kids. I don't have a significant other at the moment. When am I ever going to receive another opportunity like this in a lifetime? So that's why I decided to jump on it. You know, Luckily for me, I've left a lot of uh, bridges still intact with Rich Carlton. So not to say that I completely left, but now is an opportunity for me to see if I can achieve my own dreams of opening my own restaurant one day. Yeah, that's all it's, that's all, it's all about, honestly. Looking forward to the, your next step. And like you said, opportunity. This is number one thing. I think a lot of people get stuck in one place for way too long. They're just being way too comfortable, whether we're talking about their own place where they live or workplace. They just, they just like what they do. And it's nothing wrong with that, of course. But I think if you have an opportunity to either advance or do something new, you should go for it. You really mm -hmm. should. And that's exactly what you did. Yeah. And then with that said, it's like it all happened in the middle of a pandemic, meaning obviously a lot of us were furloughed during that first period of the pandemic. And it really took a lot of self-reflection and really kind of honing my ideals and honing what did I really take away over the last five to six years of my professional career. And this Facebook message really stuck me in the face and said, you know, now's the time to jump and really time to spread my wings and see if I can really become an entrepreneur. So more to come, man, more to come. Good for you. I'm really happy for you, honestly. Really I really happy appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. But with, so you said that, you know, that happened, especially during coronavirus, right? Um, that happened last year. Yep. But then, but then, so your upcoming business, which is called the Rebel Cafe, um, that is the food truck name, is soon to be open, you said, in June of this year, 2021. Correct. Right? How are you getting ready for your self-opening? I know we still have a little bit more time until that happens, but what is your goal? What is your plan with that? Oh, man. So right now, me and my uncle, so Julius is his name. He is the main owner of this Rebel Cafe business, and I'm a partial stake in ownership. So right now we're finalizing our 30-page business plan. We have the truck already purchased. We have all the kitchen appliances installed. We got our LLC established. We just need to get our truck inspected for health permits, and we need to get basically the county approval to be able to be a vendor in respective counties of Colorado to be able to sell. Um, in terms of licensing for us individually, we're all we're both licensed as food protection managers. We're kind of set up in that regard. But I think as soon as I physically get there, it's really just putting the you know nails in the plywood and just really getting our hands dirty and starting to do menu planning, menu tests, do soft opening with small groups of people, get feedback, and that's really really when the fun begins. Getting the product out and getting the feedback from the people. Yeah, for sure. But it sounds like a lot of work. I'm not gonna lie. It sounds like, I mean, it's a business, of course. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of work, my friend. But I think it's going to be so rewarding to feel that the amount of work is funneled into something that is an outcome that benefits something that we started from scratch, something that we own, something that we take pride in because it's something that we develop for ourselves which is really good. Yeah. What, and then what are some of the pre-planning measures with the current situation with the coronavirus? Because that's another thing. I'm sure it's pretty much, you know, pretty, pretty more uh, right now. It's a little bit more difficult when it comes to that situation. Right. So uh, currently my uncle works out of his home and he does kind of like meal prepping at the moment. So I mean, he's created, you know, 
a combination of three different types of cuisines. It's Filipino, Chamorro, which is an indigenous people of Guam, Guamanian cuisine, as well as Japanese food. So essentially, he takes all three of those cuisines and puts it together, essentially. And he makes them into little meal prep boxes and sells it from his home. So we do things like katsu sandwiches with like Filipino adobo. We also do red rice, which is an iconic staple of grain here in Guam. We also do a lot of, you know, soy vinegar marinated meat, which is popular in both Filipino and Guamanian cuisine. So at this moment, in terms of pre-planning measure with regard to our menu, that's kind of what's going on right now. He's kind of selling things from his house. Um, otherwise, we're really just kind of honing in on our business plan and doing all of the you know, dotting the or dotting the I's and crossing the T's of being able to do all of our things with our business plan. But a lot of work is <laughs> is an understatement, that's for sure. <laughs> but then the name itself, right? The Rebel Cafe, where did that name come from? Did you come up with the idea or was it more of a collaborative? Oh, it's definitely a collaborative, meaning in the instance, it was actually one off conversation. So a little bit of a side thing, I'm working at a food truck right now in Guam with a friend of mine named Jim. And uh, he's a good friend of me and my uncle that's owning the food truck in Colorado. I'm working with him to kind of get inside of working in the food truck business, networking and getting some good ideas before I go into Colorado and really delve into my own. But Julius and Jim, Julius is my uncle's name in Colorado, talked to Jim and said, you know, what should I name my business? He said, you should call it the Rebel Cafe because you never follow the rules like you and Mike never do. And you're just like, huh, that's that sounds about right. And then it just kind of stuck, and now we're doing the Rebel Cafe, and it's not even spelled with a E; it's spelled with a three. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I'm sure it's going to work. Out. Yeah. So in which case, it's also about what we incorporate into our cuisine. We're going to do things that are a bit off the wall, and more to come with regard to like the exciting things that we have planned for our menu. But they're going to be things that you've necessarily never seen or heard of before. And that's going to be in Colorado Springs, right? We're going to look for doing Colorado Springs as well as the Denver area too. So those who are listening out there, they should be should be getting ready for, for June of this year. And Yeah, we're driving your way. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, Michael, it was awesome having you on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Tell me one more thing. How can people find you online and support your, your work, your business that's going to be coming out soon? Now, Mateus, it's really, a, really a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. But in terms of keeping posted with what's going on with the Rebel Cafe, a lot of it's still under wraps now because it's still part of our pre-planning measure. And we want to make sure if we're going to be doing something, we want to do it right, right? So in which case, the best way to follow our business is to follow me on LinkedIn, Michael Varias or Frederick Michael Varias. Either way, I'll be posting articles and as well as starting a blog relatively soon about the food truck business from scratch. So um, it should be a great opportunity for people to see what it's like to go through the, <laughs> all of the pains, heartaches, and really the joys and rewards of running your own business, especially with starting a food truck as well. So follow me on LinkedIn for all of the latest updates with regard to our business. Any kind of tips on how to start your own business would be really beneficial for a lot of people because I know I think that's the hardest part. Coming up with an idea, that's great, but then actually working towards it, it's the, the toughest part. I know. I think even using coronavirus as an example, because it gave opportunity for people to really do some, you know, in, like introspection and realize that they do have talents that could potentially turn into profit. So in which case, that's exactly what I did. I went through that entire thought process, that emotional kind of exploration, so to speak, and I'm doing it. And I'm hoping to help anyone that's willing to do the same way. Definitely going to support you. Going to be looking forward to your stories 
uh, Instagram and you know Facebook, wherever you need me, just just let me know. Mateus, no, thank you. I really, really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Um, I'm also gonna input all the information that you uh, that we just mentioned on my Patreon account, all the show notes, everything that people really need. People can follow you, support you, and I wish you all the best, honestly. Likewise with you. I see nothing but great things for you too, Mateus, I can tell. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate being on the show. Take care. Of course. Take care of yourself. Have a great evening. Thanks a lot for joining the podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, let your friends, let your family know, and also support me on Patreon. So for those who aren't too familiar with Patreon, Patreon is a membership platform that allows you to connect with me on -on one-on-one basis place where you can support my work and get exclusive content I'll be sharing with you. This is where I'll be sharing my knowledge about travel, finance, by sharing posts, links, files, and so much more. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and I'll catch you on the next one.